Uh, as you turn to Matthew chapter 6, uh, I want to remind you that we have been in a sermon series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount. We're excited about God's kingdom coming, his kingdom coming, and we have been uh, trekking through, jour jour journeying through, joyously reading through God's word together, and, uh, and God's word has shown us a few things. It started in chapter 5 where we learned what it means to be blessed people, and being blessed uh, happens when you have God's peace with you. It doesn't always mean that you'll have fun circumstances. Actually, uh, sometimes you're persecuted for looking like Christ, but you're still blessed. We learn what it means to, to, to reflect God's beautiful light in the midst of culture and to be a, a flavor unto the world. We don't want the world to affect us. Actually, we want to be impacting the world with the light of the, of the Lord in us. We learned about Jesus fulfilling the law and that anger doesn't control us. We control our anger. We learned that we don't operate in the ways of the, of the culture. We actually demonstrate God's beautiful virtue and values. And so in, as it relates to our flesh, we don't just live out lustfully doing whatever we want. We actually hone it in. We actually show restraint. We actually lift up the beauty of marriage and try to see it last until uh, our last breath. But if divorce should happen, we still look at it from a redeeming lens. We give. We're people that give generously, and we give because we recognize God has given a lot to us. And we love not just those that are easy to love, not just those we are cool with. We love even our enemies. This gospel has been opening us up along the way and showing us the beauty of what Jesus would desire. And today we're going to continue to dive in. We're going to dive in starting with Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 5 says, uh, and when you're there, let me hear you say amen. 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 Oh, it's only two of y'all there, huh? <laughs> and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. 
As a kid, I used to try to like wonder and understand how the world worked. My mother, every time I came in the house, no matter what, like made me wash my hands. So when we would go out to eat, and it didn't happen a whole bunch, we would go out to eat, I would see like different things and try to like, I couldn't wrap my mind around it. I would go in the bathroom and it'd be a, a sign that said, all workers must wash hands. And I'm like, that's weird. Because doesn't everybody wash their hands? And my mom's like, no, they had to make a rule because everybody doesn't live as how we live. Like, okay. Like, well, man, do, do people make rules after somebody messes something up? It's like, oftentimes, that's how it goes, son. Oftentimes, you start to realize somebody's doing something they're not supposed to, so then you need to make a policy. I'm like, oh, is that why there's this caution on the McDonald's coffee cup that says it's hot? Isn't all coffee hot, Mom? Yeah, but... Somebody bought hot coffee, had it spill on them, sued McDonald's, and now McDonald's has to tell you that hot coffee is hot. See, you make rules after somebody messes up. So I'm starting to work at McDonald's. I'm 14, and they say, okay, you're going to be in this area. And I'm excited, got my little, my little shirt on, you know what I'm saying? They gave me my little netted hat. Let's go. They say, all right, here you go, Leon. You're going to be making chicken nuggets. I'm like, okay. I said, Leon. Don't put your hands in the hot chicken nugget grease. That, that, that's a rule? We got to make up that rule? Who put? Okay. You see, we, we dive into our text today with a rule that the Lord kind of gives. It's not a rule based on his design. It's a rule actually on people breaking his design. It's a rule where people are trying to show off and demonstrate just how awesome they are through prayer. They're using a tool, they're using a system, they're using an intimate connection that God desired and set up, but they're using it all the wrong way. They actually are using it to try to get some of their own attention, using it to get some of their own spotlight. Look with me in verse 5 what it says. And when you pray, first, there's an assumption, assumption that you're going to be praying, assumption that we pray, and when you pray, Jesus is saying, because that's already assumed that you're doing that, you must not be like the hypocrites. That means that the hypocrites have been praying. Hypocrites have been doing something they're not supposed to in a manner that they're not supposed to. The hypocrites have been trying to stand, what does it say, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Well, Pastor, we should never pray in public. No, the goal is not eliminate public prayer. The goal is not to have the attention be upon us, where we want to be seen and known by man. But, but, but actually, God says, hold on, let me help you not even roll that way. I know you've seen it modeled like this. I know when you walk down the street, people got megaphones and they're getting hype. But see, they leave and they feel full, full of themselves. And I'm trying to get you to switch your focus, switch your gaze, start your gaze on me. Start your gaze right here with the Father. Don't have your heart excited about you. Have your heart 
excited about me. Some of us were saying, well, pastor, hold up. I know that prayer is good, but I'm not always excited about prayer. See, to me, that's, o- that's okay. Or I shouldn't say that's okay. We would all love for our hearts to always be excited about prayer. Amen? So I don't want to lower the expectation like, oh, you cool. No, you, we all jacked up, and we all need God's help. But you acknowledging and seeing that your heart should want to be excited about prayer is a good thing. That's great fruit. That is a, a sign that the Holy Spirit's in you, and you're not just hardened. We want to be seen and known by God and God alone. But the hypocrites had things in the reverse order. They wanted to be known by people, and they wanted to have their self kind of edified, and it's the wrong order. The first order should have been intimacy with the Lord. I, I know most of the people in here have, have either, uh, either are single and have been in a relationship or are married. We're going to take your spouse out of it. But it's kind of weird when you like are in a dating relationship and the first or second date the person wants to meet your parents. Want to go kick it with all your friends. You know, on your first date, you're like, wait a minute, can, 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 we, can we connect? Can, can you get to know me a little bit? See, that's, that's the kind of the reverse order that's happened here. The hypocrites want to be known for prayer to all the people, to all the community. They want to get self-puffed up, and God is like, over here. But, but, but can't that be us at times? Isn't it... If we can be honest, sometimes easier to come to church and pray than it is to be at home and pray. I know you like put on clothes. You drove all the way here. You got here. You're, okay, they played the music. The music got me in the zone. Okay, my sister over there smiled at me. Okay, pastor read a, a praise report. Okay, now I can pray. But then you get back home. House junkie. Nine voicemails that you haven't returned. Three bills that's coming up right on payday. You know, you get all of these things. And to move that out the way and to say, Lord, I'm going to pursue you right now because you matter. It can be tough. But that's, that's the call. That is the, the request. That is the desire that God is communicating. He's saying, don't, don't, don't stop coming to church. Don't just end it all. But reorient your heart. Because how easy we can get inundated with stuff that over time calms our passion for pursuing his presence. Y'all, we only on the first verse. Come on. Verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray for, to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret real reward you. He wants to reward you with that, with the connection, with the intimacy of being with him. I remember uh, this, this season in my life where, uh, where I would get up at four in the morning, and y'all, I have never gotten up at four in the morning in my whole life. I was in college, 
I was kicking it. I was having a ball. The Lord grabbed my heart. And then I began to like start reading his word. I still was having fun doing life, but I, but I changed my values and I changed some of my approach. And I would get up at four in the morning. And, uh, and it was in those times that the Lord met me and was showing me some things that actually got me to be here today. It's a, a beautiful experience. But, but you know what? I think what made that experience uh, what it was was not necessarily every morning God was like, today you will go this route instead of going the route you usually go to class and then share your faith. Or today you're going to be praying for your aunt. Or today. But it was, it was my expectancy of God doing something. Monday, okay, I'm going to look forward to seeing God in the morning at Tuesday morning at 4 in the morning. Tuesday morning, 4 in the morning, nothing. Okay. Wednesday, though, I know he's going to show up. Nothing. Thursday, it's going down. Now, some of y'all are like, Pastor, what's wrong with you? You got to. But see, but see there, I, I believe that God is excited when we long for him. And sometimes that longing gets sparked when he shows up. But sometimes, y'all, you know, hunger isn't just based on the idea of food. Hunger is based on you really wanting it. See, the idea of food is present when you're full. But when you ain't full, when your stomach running on empty, that idea of food gets your butt up, out your seat, driving, what's that smell, chicken? You know, like you, it, get, it moves you to action. And I'm convinced that as we pursue God, as we seek him, he will respond and move us to action. I'm not saying 4 a.m. is the prime time. Maybe you do it at night. Maybe it's the, when you drop the kids off and you have the drive back home. I don't know what your rhythm is, but get a rhythm of being in the presence of the Lord. And be honest. When you find yourself begin in a hypocritical rhythm, come on with me in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Before you ask him. You see, the, the Gentiles' flow was one of, was one of, uh, was one of hustle. It was one of gift to gab. Back then, they basically, you used your tongue and you used your words to be able to maneuver God and, and get him to respond to how you wanted him to respond. And so, you know, it was, it was a hustle. The Gentiles' approach to, to, to God moving was if you can speak the right way, say the right thing, God will respond. But that's not our God. You don't have to have a long list of words. You don't have to have the perfect word. You don't have to say it in the right way. He just says, come to me as you are. All who are laden, give, give me those burdens. I want them. Well, I don't even know how to describe my burden. That's okay. Describe it as best you can. Just say, it hurts, Daddy. It hurts, Father. It hurts, Abba. Say, I need you. You see, we come to God not having to have eloquent words. Sometimes your words get in the way. Sometimes you can just sit there crying and God hears you. 
hears you and is with you. I love Luke chapter 6. It says the good person, Luke chapter 6 verse 45 says, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We're not trying to work God's hand and try to think of the, the cool way to say something to get what we want. We're trying to say, Lord, here's my heart and help words to describe what I need. Because ultimately I need thee. And so we learn what not to do. Now Jesus says these words starting in verse 9. And remember, this is, a, this is an environment where Jesus is talking to his, his disciples, talking to his crew, talking to believers. There's a crowd of people who are around and they're listening. But this is primarily to train his crew. And whenever you got to train somebody, you don't ever train with just one, one thing to do. You know, we try to train a babysitter before we leave. We're like, okay, this is what you got to do for the food. This is what you got to do for the house. If you need us, call us here. Oh, she dropped a bomb in there. Here go the diapers. Uh, you know, like we, we got to lay out 20 things. And that's kind of how the Sermon on the Mount is. You listen to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about divorce. He's talking about lust. He's talking about being blessed. He's talking about being sermon, uh, salt and light. He's talking about all these things. Why? Because he's trying to equip them and make them uh, uh, prepared for what the world's going to throw at them. And he knows that the world's going to throw a ton at them because they reflect Christ. So continue with me. Verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. Your will be done. I, I'm, I'm grateful and we are grateful that we get a chance to join with Jesus. But sometimes when Jesus prays prayers, it's not a prayer that I like. I know as a pastor, I'm not supposed to say that. Every prayer to Jesus and everything he says, I'm supposed to be like, yay, this is one of those things I don't necessarily get excited about. Because when he says in verse 10, your will be done, Jesus prays that prayer. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, Jesus says, and going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it will be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Your will be done. See, your, your will be done in that instance is Jesus talking about the crucifixion. Is Jesus talking about this, this road that he's going to go where he gets beaten, where he's going to get brutally, violently beaten. He prays it again in chapter 26, verse 22. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. So, so a prayer of your will be done could actually end up being my good, but it could be excruciating pain. Can be humiliating, can be humbling, 
but it still can be for my good. This past week, I had a chance to, uh, to take a trip, and I asked you guys as a church to be praying for me. Um, I took a trip with my friend Brian, and that's the first picture you'll see. And this picture is us at a Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. Uh, that museum was birthed after uh, an incident that took, a, took, took place across the street. Across the street is uh, 16th Baptist Church. The 16th Baptist Church uh, was bombed. It is the, the church where four little girls uh, lost their lives, um, as well as two people uh, down the road. And uh, we learned a lot of history there. From there, we drove down to, uh, to Mississippi, and we went to uh, the site of the Emmett Till trial. Emmett Till was a, a young man from Chicago, went down south to Mississippi uh, to be with his family and spend the summer there. And uh, he um, said the wrong thing to a white woman uh, in the store. We don't know exactly what he said, if, if it was uh, looking at her in the eye and having a smart remark, or if it was uh, something that was a bit flirtatious. All we know was uh, the others around him said, what are you doing? And they got out of there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the husband and friend of that woman came, took Emmett Till out of his family's house that night, and, uh, and they, they murdered him. And we got a chance to go to the, go to the courtroom uh, where the trial took place, uh, see the seats and judges' uh, area, talk with some people who are uh, connected to his extended family. And uh, we even went to the house and barn where they took Emmett Till and took his life. And y'all are saying, well, Pastor, come on now, you, 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 you're getting me sad. We listened to uh, his Emmett Till's mother, a recording of her, and she shared that she longed for her, her son to be able to experience some of the South, but was terrified about the norms of the South and what might happen to him. But that after he was harmed and his body was beaten in this manner that was unrecognizable, she wanted the world to see how evil, evil could be. And so she had an open casket for her son in Chicago, an open casket for her son. And unfortunately, though the pain and sorrow like was a heavy burden on the black community, that was one of the catalysts of starting the civil rights movement. A civil rights movement that has led towards transformation of our nation and our world as we know it. She would say, and I'm trying to paraphrase, but she basically said, I don't wish this upon any other mother. But if it was our burden to carry so that change could happen, then so be it family, your will be done is not a fun prayer. 
It's not always a happy-go-lucky, joyous prayer. Sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes it's going to be stretching. Sometimes it's going to mean the losing even of life. But it still can be for a greater purpose, a heavenly reward, an eternal reality that changes our very existence. I am heartbroken that a mother would ever have to experience something like that. But I'm also willing to acknowledge that maybe had that not happened, we would not be in this room today. And so God can use all things for his glory. And when his will is done, it is for a purpose beyond what we can understand. And so continue with me in verse, verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus is speaking to, to, to his disciples who've left everything and also to a crowd. Now we've got some folks that know a little bit of dependence. <laughs> I done left my job. I'm out here with you, Jesus. And so it is, he is speaking to people who, to some degree, are poor. I was talking to a brother, and uh, he's, he, was, he was a pastor in an, in an affluent area. And he said to me, uh, Leon, it, your people in your community know God greater because at times folks have experienced more poverty than mine. So I said, that's, that's interesting. You know, sometimes when people say things to me, I, I just, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm sometimes dumbfounded. Because first I'm like, well, Everybody, it's, I know people that have been had more money than they can count and also trying to find two pennies. So just by looking at my people, you don't know who high and who low today. Things change, but that's neither here nor there. I, I think what, what caught me off guard, though, was that, that we could automatically assume that there is a, 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 a uh, connection spiritually because of what we experience physically. I don't automatically assume because you have struggled that you automatically trust God more. Actually, I know that's not the case because I've been broke and I was trying to hustle and I wasn't thinking about God. But I also have been at that place where I loved God deeply and I felt like God say with two hundred dollars in my account, my last two hundred give two hundred. Wrote the check. I've seen him at highs and lows. What I what I what I do believe, though, is that there there is something interesting about you depending on God when you don't have. I think there's something interesting when, when you know that unless God come through tomorrow, it ain't happening. It's not happening. I've, I've gotten to know some pretty wealthy farmers. I'm like, they got money. But they know tomorrow, if it doesn't rain, all that investment. Gone. 
I've seen them depend and trust the Lord to come through. I've seen some people lose jobs. I've seen some people lose their health. I've seen some people go through some ups and downs, but yet depend on Christ daily. And my friend or this gentleman, I think the question he was really trying to ask is, Leon, how do I help people who are resourced that don't need to depend on anything, depend on God? And and that's a question we all got to wrestle with. When you do have, because at some point you have, and I don't care who you are, we have a system around in our society that somehow you'll be able to get 48214 care, drop off some food, a friend will lend you 10 bucks. You got some, that's God, right? Coming through. But when you're doing okay, do you still believe him for your daily bread? When you're doing good and you got the bonus and things are going, do you still believe him? When you graduate and got the degree, do you still? Or does he have to take that from you in order for you to be reminded? Oh, he was the one that gave it. Not Mac Ave, not Mac Development, not DMC, Google, nobody else. It was him all along. All along. Don't wait till he snatches it away. Praise him now. Pray to him. Thank you for giving me my daily bread. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We got to pray, y'all. I remember when things happened in uh, Charleston and lives were taken and the church responded by prayer and forgiveness. And as I'm trying to prepare this sermon, I read in the news headlines what took place in Buffalo. And I'm like, Lord, it it seems somewhat easy to think about forgiving someone when it's in the past. Yeah, Martin Luther King, they... They tried to bomb his house, and he said, I'm going to forgive him and pray for him. Dang, that's great, King. You can look at all these leaders along the way that have modeled that forgiveness, and then yesterday, somebody's son was shot getting groceries. Somebody's daughter's voice, they don't hear no more. You see, this call to forgiveness is a call that is ever fresh and present, and it will take all of Jesus for us to do this. It's not natural, but it takes us being humble. Notice the starting place of this forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. See, we have sinned. Forgive us of the sin that we've committed. See, when we know we are no better than, when we know we are not higher than, when we know we have not arrived and now we're looking at the rest of the world, when we know, man, I got some evil in here that God's been wrestling with me on. They lived out and acted on their evil. Lord, thank you for keeping my evil at bay. But if I don't got you, I can be just as wicked and evil as the next person. And so we've been forgiven much. And then God asks us now 
to also go and forgive others. Going to these museums, man, it, it was sparking an, an excitement in me because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing what, what people have, have gone through and how they've persevered and overcome. It gets me excited because that's not over. Oh, being overcomers was not something that happened to slaves and the civil rights. That's today. All of us present here get a chance to be overcomers because of what Christ has done, but also overcoming today's evils in our society. We're going to still continue to trailblaze. But the depths of forgiveness. See, when you go to a museum to some degree full of pain, but then you leave and you see the family members of that pain speaking about the depths of forgiveness they were extending, it makes you, it makes it, it checks you for a second. What, what, what forgiveness am I not willing to extend? That you cut me off while I was driving? That you took credit for the idea I had at work? That you keep putting your, what, what is it, what is it, what, what, what is the thing that you're not willing to forgive someone else of that you think you're justified in? It don't matter. It's not worth it. Not just not worth it between where we end up as humans connected to one another. It's not worth it for what it does between us and God. God, I want to be forgiven, but I'm not going to forgive them. Explain that one to me. See, God is working in and on us to reflect him, to be salt and light, and it looks like forgiveness. Forgive us of our sins. Our sins, our sins, they add up. My boy had uh, graduated high school with me. I don't know how we ended up in the same place as it related to our finances, but they knew us. They knew our M.O. My boy, he went to the service in Virginia Beach. Soon as he stepped on the grounds of the, uh, of the Navy, there was people signing him up for credit cards. They said, cool, you about to get a check and you got a place to live, let's go. Signed him up for credit cards. For me, soon as I stepped on the grounds of my college, they're giving away free T-shirts, hats, signing me up for credit cards. Do y'all know I got a credit card in the mail two weeks after I went to college and I lost my mind? What new shoes? What new hat? What new outfit? I spent $2,000 in probably the first year of college, and I paid on that debt for nine years, y'all. Nine years in and out of collections. I married Rebecca. She like, mm, bro, you coming? This what you bringing into the marriage? You know what I'm saying? But it, but isn't that how our sin goes? Rack it up, slowly and surely, getting what I want, doing not what God wants, and I'm and I'm building up this this big old boulder that I'm now trekking with me through life. And all God says is, 
come to me. I'm willing to clear the debt. I'm willing to clear the sin. I'm waiting to you for you to ask for forgiveness. I'm waiting. So family, don't you stay in that place. Come on, continue with me, verse 13. I'm going to get you out of here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is the, this is the interesting thing. Because when, when you become a believer, things begin to change. There was an, an aspect of being a child that I really enjoyed, and that aspect was ignorance. See, when you didn't know, people let you slide, you know? When, when you don't know, it's like, okay, he's a child, it's okay. But see, what the Holy Spirit does and what God does is God sees evil crouching at all times around you. God knows that Satan is roaring like a lion and he wants to jack you up. He wants to tear you up. God knows that Satan is mad at him and the only way he can damage the heart of God is to go after his children who reflect him. And so God knows and sees this. And God sees evil right there presenting itself as beauty before you. And this is what God does every time. If you're willing to listen and willing to look up, there'll be wrong choice, wrong choice, wrong choice, right choice. And we have to be wise enough to choose. I have been a pastor now for years, and it is, I have yet to hear a person say to me, Pastor, I had all of these evil options and I didn't know what to do. I have heard people say, I had all these evil options and I could have chose this. But yet I chose my flesh and I'm sorry. Or yet I chose to hurt them. Or yet I chose to speak back with anger because I received anger. I knew I could have held my tongue, but cutting them felt so good. You see, we get tempted. Evil is there. But we're not the ignorant kids anymore that don't know what to do. We don't know. We know and choose not. We choose not. God is with us saying, okay, I'm giving you an out. Here's another option. Here's a way you could go. We get fed up. I gave you one chance. We get impatient. I know how I, I know what she going to say, so let me go ahead and get my thing together so I can cut you before you even say what you're going to say because I know how you're going to come. We, we don't trust God to move, and so instead of letting God move and do something miraculous, we plan it all out. How many of you didn't had arguments in your head with the person you're about to argue with before you even get home? You got the argument already planned? It's already planned out. I don't even say nothing, because I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Come on now. And if, you, and, and if you ain't said it, it's going all up in here. It's all in your head. It's all in there. You see, 
But what God is saying is, I am giving you a way out. I will deliver you from evil every time. Every time. Not a couple of times. Not occasionally. Every single time you want to be delivered, I will deliver you. If you would seek me. If you would pray for me. Y'all, I, sometimes I, 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 so Rebecca and I, the Lord's working on us, doing some great things in us. Our marriage is good, but we also have some things we trust in God to work on, so we're in counseling. We were in counseling years ago, and the lady gave us three things. I can say we've been trying those three things the best as we can, and they have been a great help. One of the things, though, I heard in a sermon and was like, man, that ain't going to work. That ain't going to work. I'm going to try it, though. I'm going to try it. And I say this because I, I don't want you to think that our marriage is perfect, okay? Uh, don't, don't, I'm grateful to have an amazing wife. It is what it is. She's amazing. But, but there are times when we argue and we can't hear each other. There are times when we argue and, 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 and I don't want to hear from her. There's times when we argue and I don't want to hear from the Lord. I want to be right. And this pastor said, in the midst of your arguing, pray. Simple, pray. So, so of those three things, that's one of the things I try to do. I will we'll be arguing and not, not able to see eye to eye. Hey, we need to pray. You know, eyes roll, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, hey, you know? So, hey, it is. We go, we go, hey, we, are we gonna be real, Maga? Hey, sometimes I'm rolling my eyes at God. Why you ain't tell her we need to pray? You know what I'm Can she say it? You know She may say it, you know? Hey, it is what it is. This is how we get. And I'll pause. We'll pray. Lord, we ain't seeing eye to eye. You see what's going on. Help us, because it ain't always like you said in Matthew chapter 3, you know, like it ain't always flowery right then, you know. But, 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 but if you pause and are willing to let him in, he will show up. He will show up. He will show up. I have brothers that have been addicted to, to all types of different things. And they have testified to me, Pastor, right before I went to go do what I used to do constantly, I just started trying to pray. Didn't, it wasn't just miraculous, and it, but I did that more and more, and it helped build a muscle to where I'm no longer addicted to that thing anymore. It still is tempting. Evil is constantly crouching near me, but I'm able to say no because I'm willing to invite God in. See, evil is always there, y'all, but God will deliver us. He will deliver us. So family, he gives them, he gives us this prayer. This prayer is not a prayer for ancient times. Elements of this prayer are for us today. 
I know that some of you struggle with praying. I know you would love for your prayer to be euphoric. You would love when you sit to pray to feel the Lord. And I want that for you. But I ask you to submit to the Lord. And I pray the Lord would bless you to be able to be faithful and committed to, at the minimal, this prayer so that you can engage and connect with your God who wants to even deliver us from ourselves. Let us pray. Lord, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that you saw the need of your disciples and said, let me give them some ammo. Let me give them some tools. Let me give them a strategy for being able to, to, to defeat Satan, to overcome sin, and to be closely connected with you. And it is this tool of prayer. Let it be real for our lives. Help us, Lord, as, as we want to walk with you, but sometimes, Lord, can feel so distant. Would you allow prayer to help us feel closer to thee? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Mac family, we are going to take communion. It is by your knee if you are present. And if you don't have one, simply raise your hand and we'll bring some communion to you. Our, our, our goal is to celebrate Jesus and be reminded of what he accomplished for us on the cross. And so we take communion to, to worship the Lord and to help our minds be reacquainted, to remember what God has done for us. And so if you love the Lord, we invite you to do this. If you are a person today that's saying, hey, I'm, I'm still, I'm not there with God yet, uh, I'm, I, I like the people here, y'all are kind, but Jesus being my Lord and Savior, not just yet. Then we ask you not to take communion, uh, because communion is an, is an act we do that is one of worship. But if you are a person that's watching, that's saying, but pastor, if I knew what it meant to love Jesus, I might choose him, then let me lay that out for you. God loves you. And he created you to reflect him. He created all of us to look like him. And he's created you with a purpose. That purpose is to shine, baby, shine. Shine the light of the Lord out into the world. But you can't do that without his help. He comes in and changes all of who you are. Doesn't mean he has to change you outwardly. Pastor, I can't wear tennis shoes and jeans no more. I got to wear a suit. No. But he changes your desires of your heart, the motivations that are within. He will come in and change that so that it's not just for your gain. It's for his glory, and his glory is your gain. And so we invite you to simply pray this prayer if you want to live for Jesus. Lord, I believe you are in control. I'm not in control. I submit my life, my desires and my hopes to you. I trust you to lead me because you have forgiven my sin. You now give me the Holy Spirit to dwell in me so that I might live in the way you desire. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, 
then you can grab, if you pray that prayer and believe it, and even if the words were off, but in your heart you was real about it, you can take communion today with us as one of your first acts of worship and celebration. And if you are home, hey, send, respond in the chat to us because we want to connect with you. We want to see you grow in Christ. And if you are here, fill out that um, uh, bulletin that you received. Put the information in the basket in the back because we want to connect with you. Amen.